spoiler alert on this episode. If you have never seen any of the Fast and the Furious movies, you might want to spend several days checking them out. Watch them all right now yeah. in a row. This is chock full of spoilers. Yes, we'll be here waiting for you. Hello, I'm Hal Lublin. And I'm Mark Gagliardi. Since the dawn of humanity, one issue has gone unsettled. With the fate of the world in the balance, we're here to settle once and for all. Best Fast and Furious movie. That's right. Don't worry, everyone. We got this. Podcast should have a theme song. Podcast should not have a theme song. Yes, they should. No, they shouldn't. They sound good. Yeah, but people are just going to skip past it. Hmm. You know what? You're right. We got this. Hey, Mark. Hey, uh, yeah, what is it, Dom? Why'd you come sit at the table? Wow, uh, really? I'm, I'm invited to the table? Yeah, have a bite. Have, Can I have, have one of these Coronas? This barbecue. Wait, if I reach for the barbecue first, does that mean I'm going to have to say grace? Haha, ha, you got to say grace anyway because you thought about it. <laughs> Nothing's more important than Grant, God, Heavenly Father, thank you for these Coronas. Great job. <laughs> Heavenly <laughs> Father, great job. Pull the change in lanes. We're changing lanes. Fast lane. Fast lane. Stay in your lane. Let's change lanes. It's fast and furious. Fast and furious time. Was that, you know, was Mark, that the 1970s <laughs> Hanna-Barbera introduction to the Fast and Furious franchise? Fast and furious even. You know, there's so many times we'll do an episode yeah. like this mm-hmm. where one or the other of us is like, all right, let's, I've seen some of them. You've seen some of them. Yeah. The audience is infuriated if they've seen all of them because and we have done not. Yeah. Why haven't we? And why are we making this decision? And, you know, maybe this is a period of time we're going into now in the show because we're recording this the day before it is released. This yes. episode of experiential journalism. You know what I mean by that, right? <laughs> Where yes. whatever we're reporting on is something we're actually experiencing. So for yeah. this, now prior to deciding to record this episode, which was suggested by Brian Walsh, and I know Ken likes us to keep it under an hour, but he went to heat up pizzas. So what he doesn't know ain't going to hurt him. This will take as long as it takes. Exactly. We live our lives a quarter of an hour at a time. And guess what? These movies get longer and longer and longer. <laughs> so maybe longer. our episodes, the last movie, no. F9 is like two and a half hours long. The it first is. movie, I think, is 90 minutes, and that's with slow-mo butt shots. So but- so many slow-mo butt shots. We'll get to that. <laughs> Prior to this, to selecting this episode, I had seen The Fast and the Furious, and I had seen mm. Too Fast, Too Furious, and my father would watch the movies while he was on his treadmill. So I've seen parts of, like, Fast and Furious and Sure, and while walking downstairs to say, hey, Dad, is there any more ham in the outside fridge? <laughs> That's right. And, yeah. and he, it's cranked up so high. Because the treadmills are loud. Mm-hmm. So, and those movies are loud. Yeah. And those movies are cranked up so high. They're cranked up so loud that if you turn it down because of the explosions and roaring engines, then you miss all of the dialogue in between, which yeah. you can probably write it with your eyes closed right now yep. in terms of what everything is. But you had not seen any of these movies. I know. I had seen the first movie the first roughly movie. when it came out in 2001. Yeah. So like right when the first movie came out, I mm-hmm. thought, Okay, this is cool. This is not my scene. L.A. car culture is not really 
my thing. So, but boy, have we gone so far beyond LA car culture in these movies. I think I just moved to LA when this movie came out as well, or was just about to move to LA. Yeah. So I didn't even know the city of Los Angeles when this movie came out. I moved in the summer of 2001. Um, and that's when, when this original Fast and the Furious dropped, which for those of you, I, I'm, I'm going to go out uh, on a limb and say not 100% of our audience has seen all of the Fast and the Furious movies. I think that's fair. We will try to keep this as universally appealing as possible. If we get in the weeds about some stuff, sorry, it's because Hal and I, as he mentioned before, he had seen a couple of them. I had seen the first one. Hal and I have spent the last three days binge watching Fast and the Furious movies like they are a season of the most expensive television show ever made. I will tell you that I finished F9 15 minutes before we sat down to record this. And I finished uh, Tokyo Drift, which I had saved to the end because I wanted to see the whole Toretto timeline first. Mm. And Tokyo Drift is a bit of an outlier. So I had, I was like, eh, I'll just watch that one later. I want to know what's going on with the family. The family. That is my pleasure. So yeah, these movies are front of mind for both of us. And I got to say, Hal, I had a great time. I had an absolute blast watching these movies, watching their ups and downs, watching them get crazier and crazier to the point where in the last movie, Ludacris and Tyrese are in space. Wait, don't get that. I mean, let's not go. Right into the yeah, space camp. Guess what? I'm going around. right into space. How they went to space. They look like minions in their spaces. That's what the Russian yeah. cosmonaut says. Because Universal Studios made the movie mm-hmm. and Minions was coming out. So they're yeah. like, sure. Look, if an audience will believe that Dominic Toretto can use a car <laughs> smashing into a rail <laughs> as a way to <laughs> propel himself through space. Mm-hmm. then people will believe that Russians love Minion movies. I mean, everyone's aware of the Minions, Mark. I don't know. It's not. I mean, I'm not aware of any major Russian cartoons. <laughs> Grotzblatz. Right. Really good, which is gross splats in English. It's, it's just a series pies. of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. These movies, I remember watching the original. So when DVDs first became a big thing in like the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. They had the universal, every universal DVD had the same, like the music. And they would use clips from whatever movies were coming out. So American Pie mm-hmm. was in there. The Mummy was in there. And Fast yeah. and the Furious was prominent in that sort of clip reel. But when I sat down to watch it, it struck me as, oh, this is, they've made point break for a new generation. It's exactly it's, what the first movie is. It's exactly what it is. Yeah. It's Paul Walker's Brian O'Connor is an undercover agent who is, uh, gets into the car racing scene in order to break up, uh, and a, a, a car thief ring, which mm-hmm. is run by Dominic Toretto, played by Vin Diesel. And that's where you meet the original version of the family. Yeah. The Toretto family, which is. Vin Diesel as Dominic Toretto, mm-hmm. uh, Letty Ortiz, who is played by Michelle Rodriguez, who is yeah. Dom's girlfriend. Yeah. You meet Vince, who is Dom's childhood friend and the hothead, uh, meathead of the group. Yeah. They've got a tech guy, uh, who's the, you know, who handles all, uh, handles all the really technical details of the cars. Yeah. They've got all of that sort of thing and they all are. This LA version, LA car underground version of a family. 
Yes, they are family. Dominic is very, he has a code of conduct. You know, mm-hmm. it's later on. I think it's in, I think it might be in the eighth. I think it's the fate of the furious when mm-hmm. Cypher's like, you're an outlaw. You have your own code and brings up things he did in the past. So he's always conducted himself in a, in a certain way in terms mm-hmm. of what's important and what he will and will not do. Uh, also, you're leaving out maybe the most important member of the family, which is his actual sister, Mia Toretto, played by Jordana Brewster. That's right. Who becomes uh, romantically entangled mm-hmm. with Brian O'Connor. And then, it, and so you have Point Break, but you also have Romeo and Juliet with cars. It's been called that as well. Yeah. The chase scenes. This was uh, directed by Rob Cohen, who was a very hot director at that time. He had done the skulls with Paul Walker and then brought Paul Walker over to this and actually based the final car chase on bullet. And part of the reason why he cast Paul Walker is because he felt like, like Paul Walker looked like Steve McQueen. Really? This is the star of Bullet, which is a famous, you know, if you're going to famous car chase movie. car chases, yeah. there are a few films you look at. You look at the French connection. You look at, um, the Italian job. You, you look uh, at original, cars. You look at cars. Disney's and you look cars. at Bullet. Yeah. Those are some major car chase sequences. And I would argue that nowadays you look at the Fast and the Furious. The original Fast and the Furious movie had some really cool car chase scenes in it. Yeah, it's a really, it's, I think it's a very good movie. It's definitely, it's a cool, it's a super cool, stylish movie. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I know this is, this is going to be a similar episode to when we talked about the other major tent pole, uh, summer blockbuster series of the last, of of the, you know, 2000s through now, uh, the Mission Impossible series. And what this movie did was it set up it didn't set up the franchise because boy, did the franchise veer, uh, in very many ways. Uh, so it didn't set up the franchise entirely, but it did set up the main characters in the franchise and it set up a few things that happen throughout, which is the notion of a 10 second car, which is a car that can complete a, por- a quarter mile in 10 seconds. Yes. And introduced the, uh, tracking butt shot. Uh, explain that to everybody. Yes. The tracking butt shot, uh, is a scene that happens in every single Fast and the Furious movie where there is some sort of party that is centered around a race and it is entirely populated with men without sleeves and women without pants. And there is always a long camera shot that just tracks attractive butts, uh, attractive butts to cool music. And it is. It is just I it is like 90 seconds of eye candy in each of these movies and some of the movies it is really shoehorned in but they make sure they always get that scene in there. Uh there's also a lot of shots of speedometers, a lot of shots of uh people putting their feet on pedals, so many car shots. Yeah, a lot of gears shifting. Mm-hmm. A lot of people flipping switches so that they can yeah. activate the NOS tank in the car. I'll also say that every single underground race mm-hmm. in the world or in this world at least, is strewn with bare midriffs having a rave. Yeah, that's the scene. That's, that's the, 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 butt, the butt tracking shot to me always, is always, at always the shows rave. like, look at all these midriffs. Yeah. Like no matter and and this is a now a 21-year-old franchise. The next movie will come out next year, which will make it 22 mm-hmm. years old. I guarantee you, we're going to see people in the same outfits that they were wearing in 2001 when they yeah. had the flashbacks. Yeah. In, Even in though F9. the style, the style has changed, it's, but not there. It's still not there. Bare midriffs. Yeah. Bare midriffs and low rise jeans. Same music. Yeah. 
Yeah, baby, like four, a four inch from waist to bottom of yeah. jean or uh, skirt. It is. It's they are they are their own world. These movies, to both their credit and their detriment, they have a system in place and they do not veer from it in many respects. Do you think secretly this movie is about Pitbull and Bad Bunny traveling through time to make sure that people are <laughs> dancing to their music everywhere they go? Uh, yes. Okay. Yes, I do. Right, Which, yeah. by the way, that's one thing that I love about these movies is they travel further around the world later on. Mm. But in the first one, you get a lot of L.A. artists. You know, you get West Coast hip hop and you get songs in Spanish. Mm-hmm. The second movie, they takes place in Miami. So you've got a lot of the Miami sound and Pitbull. Uh, they as the movies uh, move around, the music style changes. Tokyo Drift. It's all. Uh, you know, Japanese pop music and Japanese, mm-hmm. uh, hip hop and EDM. So that's a fun element to it that I really like. Uh, is there anything else we want to say about that original movie? The, yes. The, so besides the things that they already, that they set up, which is the family, it's basically just point break, but with really, you know, with cars instead of surfboards. I, what I kind of want to do is talk about the overall arc of the films. And yeah. then maybe start picking ones out, maybe favorite moments from them. Cause right. what happens is we get to, um, Fast and Furious, which is the fourth film, which mm-hmm. reunites Brian O'Connor. Oh, we're who, skipping over two and three right now. Oh, no, no, we're going to come back to it. We're going to come back to it. Okay. Uh, what I like about two, by the way, is that it picks up where one left off, which is Brian O'Connor essentially makes a sacrifice in order to help. He, he shows allegiance to the family. He, Keanu Reeves is. Yes. Dominic Toretto's let's Patrick Dominic Swayze. Toretto, yes, he lets Dominic Toretto get loose, but he becomes a fugitive himself. So Too Fast, Too Furious is about him going underground. So they pick up that thread, and that introduces us uh to the characters of Tej. Tez. Tej, T-E-J, yeah. Yes, Tej and Roman, played by Chris Bridges, a.k.a. Ludacris, and Tyrese Gibson. Who, who by the way, here? Tyrese Gibson surprised mm-hmm. me, because I always thought of Tyrese. I thought Tyrese's job was to be handsome. Right. Right. For the longest time, that was Tyrese's job was just be handsome. Yeah. He is a delight in these movies. Yes. He's the shaggy of the group. Yeah, exactly. Afraid of He's always eating. He's comic relief. (laughs) Ludacris is sort of the straight man to his comedian. And the two of them, as the movies progress, become sort of a comedy duo. Yes. But what I was going to say was that Fast and Furious is the last of the original four films where it's more about car racing and right. and getting revenge. And after that, and Fast Five is the first one to come up with the super team where, like, let's pull people from all of the different iterations who have not met and they're going to become a group. And from here on out, these are heist movies. Oh, yeah. So we get a shift and it, it gets a lot closer to a Mission Impossible type film where it's mm-hmm. we have to go get the thing and that involves either – Going undercover or using our cars, but these cars have, have, uh, can, we can remote control cars for one another. And yeah, everybody's past is coming back to haunt them. So you've got the one, it, it introduces, it introduces the rock who is, who as comes Hobbs. in as Hobbs, who is the, you know, in, in any great heist movie, there is the heist team, there is the job, and there is the person who is chasing the heist team and yeah. Hobbs as the person chasing the heist team. And then there's, of course, there's the villainous Mark. The villainous Mark in this one is, uh, great. He was, 
he was the bad guy in Desperado. He's a great actor, mm-hmm. um, great villain character actor. Yes. Uh, whose name perfect. escapes me in this moment. Um, but yeah, and then from that heist moment in Fast Five, mm-hmm. then you just get sort of a heist per movie. You get you get a flavor of the week. You get a uh, you get a new villain each time. You get a new heist each time. But you, in addition to that, you also get this family moving forward as well. So there's the underlying story of the family. Yeah. With the overlay of a heist on top of it each time. Would that, would you agree with that? Yes. How do we play with the dynamics? Mm-hmm. There is a theme of villains becoming heroes or anti-heroes because they're all sort of anti-heroes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, it's, uh, look, for as ridiculous as it gets, and there is a ton of retconning in it, especially in eight. Oh, yeah. I do think that there is a thread where things have consequences from film to film that yeah. carry forward and people remember things and call them back. And that is nice. And it also is the benefit of, of a similar person or group of people writing a lot of the scripts. Justin Lin directed, I think several two, of them, yeah. three, two, three and four. But he wrote most of them. And I then, think. yeah, or he did he the story break, at least. and then came back for nine. But mm-hmm. it's, it's similar creative teams. Vin Diesel's producing by then. Vin Diesel, who had left after the first Fast and the Furious to make Triple X and Riddick. Mm-hmm. Those were, cause he had his choice of, those were his three franchises at that moment. Which one are you going to go with? And he chose the other two. Then Universal wants him back for the end of Tokyo Drift. To make his great cameo. Yeah. And that film takes place after four, five, and six. So if you're watching them in the, in the chronological order of the films, you go one, two, four, five, six, three, seven, eight, nine. But I digress. (laughs) (laughs) Um, what I was going to say was they wanted him to come back and he asked them to give him the rights to Riddick so he could make more movies. That's what got him back in. Mm-hmm. And that was probably the best decision he ever made in terms of yeah. the amount of money he has made off of these films and how much money these films have made. It is insane. The billions of dollars. Yeah. And better in, they do better international than they do domestic. Almost. Fast seven. Well, sure. They're, I mean, it's, it's, they take place starting with, uh, you know, fast five. Mm-hmm. They really, they do, uh, they get that mission impossible thing where they take place all over the world. Yeah. The scenes get bigger and bigger. The stars get bigger and bigger to the point where by the last two movies, you've got Kurt Russell and Charlize Theron in the cast and you're and just Helen these. and Helen Mirren comes in and makes these, you know, takes the, has these scene stealing couple of days, which is one thing I love about Helen Mirren in these movies. Why she's such a brilliant actor mm. is she is, she's Helen Mirren. She's, you know, Dame Helen Mirren yep. and she's got these super expensive dresses on and she's a very classy British super spy thief genius. But she gives herself this Cockney accent, yeah, which I think is brilliant. That here's this classy dame, but she talks like this, right? You know, she's doing this, so she's yeah. going to be like she's the one who's. And you're like, that's ab- I think that's absolute genius. Uh, you got three minutes to go finish my cuppa. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> exactly. what is she doing? And then yeah. I, re- I realized what she was doing. She's yeah. doing an impression of Jason Statham. Oh, that's great because that's yeah. whose mother she is. That's, that's her, her son born as her, the- him and and Luke Evans are are her yeah. children. So why wouldn't she, why wouldn't they sound like her? And more particularly, he sounds like her because they have a closer relationship, clearly, as we learn 
throughout mm-hmm. the film. I, it, it just blows my mind. The making of these films that they're still being made, how ridiculous they are. And yet still at the end of seven, I'm in tears. We will get to that moment, my friend, because yeah. that destroyed me. I'm going all over the place here. I don't you know. Are. I, like, I know. I I'm trying. I'm going to try. Don't worry. Every film. Don't worry. I'm going to try to rein you in. I'm trying. Oh. I'll try to rein you in. It's just so ridiculous. So we've made it rock. Hold he, on. Hold on. Uh, <laughs> uh, we've made it through now basically the arc of the movies in that, you know, we've got number one, uh, racing movie. Number two, racing movie with one of the stars, but none of the other people. Three, totally separate story. Four brings everybody back together. Five begins the heist movie element. Mm-hmm. And then it just heightens from there. And also really forming the family. Re- exactly. Really, is, really putting that team together. Two of them. Uh, then the two guys who are always arguing with each other. Mm-hmm. And um, and what's his name? The guy with the beard is like, I never trusted you. I can't remember his name. Which guy? Oh, Vince. In that movie. Vince. Yeah. Vince, and then yeah. Vince comes back in that film as well. Vince comes back. The two, um, the two, are they Brazilian guys? Or are they speaking Spanish? I cannot remember. Yeah. The two guys, they're these, they're these smaller parts. They're not in a ton of it, but they're really funny comic relief. One of them has a uh, great big dreads. Um, and they are, yeah, they're, they're really funny and they're always, uh, I think it's, it's Spanish or Portuguese. I think it's Spanish. Yeah. But they're the crazy ones. That's their thing is, you know, when you're introduced to them, it's, um, yeah, we got caught for speeding. Right after we blew up a bank, you're like, yes. oh, okay, that's these guys driving yeah. while brown. Yeah, dri- yeah, I got arrested for I got arrested for driving while brown. Well, yeah, you had just blown up a bank, though. <laughs> so that's kind of the way that these movies go. Um, and now we are at a point where, in the last three movies, in order, we have had a tank, uh, a submarine, and a car in space. That is how outside of reality these movies have gone but let's take a quick break and we'll come back and we'll talk about some of the things that we love about each of these individual movies and then we will figure out what is the greatest of the fast and the furious films okay but in the meantime please hear about some of the other great shows on the maximum fun network we'll be right back hello i'm a stuffy dowager countess Travis? I'm judging everybody's manners. Oh, no. Schmanners isn't judgy. It's about teaching you to be your best self and be a little more confident when you enter social situations that you don't understand. And maybe also teach you a little bit about history you didn't know or give you interesting things to talk about at parties. Yeah, like the secret life of Emily Post. Or like why wristwatches are the way that they are. We can talk about table manners from the Victorian era. Sure, or what it's like to attend a Regency Ball. Yeah. Uh, you can find all that and more if you listen to Schmanners on Maximum Fun or wherever your podcasts come from, I guess. Manners, Schmanners. Get it? A man goes to the doctor and says that he's depressed and that life seems cruel. The doctor says, ah, the treatment is simple. The great clown Pagliacci is in town tonight. Go and see him, and you will surely feel better. The man bursts into tears and says, But doctor, I am Pagliacci. Ah, okay, says the doctor. In which case, try listening to the Beef and Dairy Network podcast. The Beef and Dairy Network podcast is a multi-award winning comedy podcast, and you can find it at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Mark, I have some information for you. 
Ooh, this is exciting. The two characters you're talking about are Tego Calderon and Rico Santos, who is played by Don Omar, who mm-hmm. is a popular Puerto Rican singer and recorded Puerto the Rican. song Danza Kuduro, which plays over the closing scenes of Fast Five. And they, they cool. do make a return only in flashback. I think the last time we see them is six, right? They're gone after that because the last time we see them, they are... They're taking the money that they got from this big heist. One puts it on red, one puts it on black, and then, of course, it lands on green. Of course it does. Yeah. Those guys are great. Yes. Uh, so and it's not Portuguese. Cook. It's Spanish, and they are Puerto Rican. And one of them cannot cook and then opens a restaurant. Yes, in Brooklyn. Yeah, opens a restaurant in Brooklyn because, uh, according to him, the hipsters will eat anything. Yes. Which is great. All right, let's dive in a little bit into some of these movies. We talked about the first one already. Uh-huh. I want to talk about Too Fast, Too Furious, because I think Too Fast, Too Furious, it's not going to win, first of all, because there's no Dominic Toretto. There's no Letty. There's no Mia. There's yeah. no... The the, fa- the family is the not family, in that one. As the family. <laughs> the family is not in uh, this movie. Mm-hmm. That said... I don't want to disrespect Too Fast, Too Furious. It's very good. Because Too Fast, Too Furious, I think, begins wetting our whistle for what is going to come later. The first movie is straight up street racing. Mm-hmm. And the big climax of that movie is we've got to, we are racing to beat a train as the arms are coming down. That's the big action finale moment, right? Mm-hmm. Too Fast, Too Furious introduces us to the idea that a car can dukes of hazard a ramp and fly, crash into a yacht to save the day. Yeah. It also introduces the helicopter versus car. Mm -hmm. It's the first one that had a helicopter versus car scene. Mm -hmm. Uh, So adding those elements to it's like, oh, oh, we can do this with a movie about cars. It's also taking down a crime lord. Yeah, it's taken down a crime lord, which yeah. is a, which is a sort of what O'Connor does, but more than that it gives this idea of like even when we're on the run, we're still going to try to do the right thing. We're we're stealing from bad people. Yeah. And another thing that this does aside from also introducing us to Tej and mm-hmm. Roman. Roman, thank you. Mm-hmm. In addition to introducing us to those characters, I think it leans into the idea that it takes teamwork to get something done especially Mm -hmm. in that final scene where they are chased by the bad guys into a garage and then out of the garage drives every street racer in miami because they are all uh brothers and sisters together they live by a code Mm -hmm. like this is that element to me made me very happy and i cheered in my seat when all of those cars shot out of that garage to confuse the police and you know Send them in all different directions. Well, there is this idea in these films that, like, the community of racers, they are tight and they do help each other out. Mm -hmm. Even when Dom is on, uh, I think this is, again, Fate of the Furious, when they're on their honeymoon in Cuba. And -hmm. he helps his cousin out and he beats this guy who seems like he could be, like, getting his butt kicked afterwards. But the guy's like, no, I respect you. And here's my car. He's like, you can keep the you can keep the car. The respect's enough for me. No. And then he no. later on, you know, that respect. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry, Vin. I didn't mean to cut you off. Honestly, I can never tell when you're done with a sentence. I can't tell you that. I've been saying family for 21 years. 
<laughs> Here, have a Corona. So much Corona. Welcome to the haunted mansion. <laughs> so that that's one thing I loved about the second movie. Mm-hmm. But again, I don't think it's our winner. No, I don't. But I think it is a very good sequel. Then Tokyo Drift really takes us away from everything. Yeah. They did not bring back Paul Walker because they thought he was too old. Vin mm-hmm. Diesel had left and was not interested in being in the film. They convinced him to come back to the very end for the cameo, but that's really not relevant. We are introduced to a major character, which mm-hmm. is Han, who is basically the protagonist of Tokyo Drift's racing Yoda. Yes, that's right. Sean. Sean yeah. is the protagonist who we do see come back later. Yeah. He appears briefly in one of the films and that has a much bigger role in Fast Night. And I think it's better for him. He's played He's played by Lucas Black, who is a Southern high school student in California for some reason, who gets in trouble and is racing cars. So he gets sent to Tokyo to live with his father. Yes, his his Navy, his Navy Navy uh, father, father. who only knows one way to live life and is very strict with him. But he gets pulled into the underground scene. and With Bow Wow. With with Bow Wow as Twinkie. Mm -hmm. Who is. Because you have to have a fun sidekick. Yes. And he is his he is his tech guy. But we learn that Sean is a stand-up guy, and Han sees something in him initially and is the one who teaches him how to drift. Yeah. So the Tokyo Drift, which is really cool, watching the bad guy, whose name I forget, doing the drift down a spiral ramp in a parking Like, the, the car sense at this point that we're already getting into, like, we're well in, into a new type of ridiculous, which is – and it's just what these cars can do. Forget about going against the helicopter. He's going to yeah. be in a full drift. In a corkscrew and not touch anything. It's amazing. See, I love that. I love that it went. I do too. The first two movies are, uh, are racing. So, and the racing style, I think it was cool that the racing style changes with each movie. The first movie is we block off the streets and we do these quarter mile races. That's it. Block off the streets, straight ahead, quarter mile races. The second movie, now there are curves. Now we're going, you know, we're, we're racing on the street and also we're not closing the streets down every time. Right. That's a new element. And then the third movie, it's a completely different style of racing. That's what I thought was great about it is it's not just it is drifting, which is a totally different race style. And Sean, our protagonist, who I hate to say it, drags this movie down. The weakest link of this movie is the protagonist, I think. Yeah. Do you know? um, I think he's an unlikable. I think he's an unlikable character. Oh, I don't, I, you know, I, I get it. I get what you're saying. It's a lot of eyebrow raising from him. That's a lot of his acting is in his eyebrows. And it's not even so much the actors act. It's not even Lucas Black's acting. It's just character. I don't like this kid. Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't dislike him. I think he's cocky and he learns, he learns at the end because when he goes to the, the Yakuza boss uncle to get his respect, respect. Mm -hmm. he's smart enough to get what he wants. And he shows, he shows honor in, in sort of how he goes about it. And I yeah. love his, his reintroduction in F9 is amazing. Oh, just as like a new comic relief him. lunatic who's, yeah. yeah, who has put, attached a rocket to a car. Right. He's just gotten to like, what else can we do? So he's got a rocket scientist. He's got his other buddy who was also in, uh, in Twinkie. Tokyo Drift. Yes. The so rocket scientist is in there with him. The and yeah, Twinkie's with him. The three of them are are attaching a rock like they are the reason why we get Tej and Roman in space. Yeah. I love that. I, I it's bonkers. I feel like they waited too long to bring the I was like, when are they gonna bring when are they gonna bring Sean back? Yeah. Like, I didn't Sean need I didn't need him in. to bring Sean back. 
so then we get to Fast and Furious where O'Connor mm-hmm. and Toretto, Brian and Dom finally are reunited and Brian is reunited with Mia and the three of them are on the run together. Yeah. After the two of them. So Brian O'Connor has gotten back in the good graces of the FBI and he and Dominic Toretto are both trying to take down the same drug lord for different reasons. Right. One of them is Brian is doing it because it's his job and, and Dominic is doing it because that drug dealer is responsible for the death of Letty. Which that was such a confusing moment to me <laughs> for you to. And I was like, she has to come back. Mm-hmm. There's no way that Letty is dead in this because she was a major, major character in that first movie. Yeah. And for her death to just be a phone call of someone calling Dom and saying, Dom, Letty's dead. What? Especially That's after all the she opening gets? scene where they're, where they're stealing the, the tankers, they're, they're robbing yeah. the ass tankers. So I knew there was something up there that she was, uh, and all the way also spoilers, you know, there's spoilers all throughout this. Yeah. She comes back a movie later and is in the, and is still in the series, but as a bad guy, but she comes she back amnesia. as a bad guy. She gets movie style amnesia yeah, or a uh, soap opera style amnesia, which is ridiculous. And then of course, at the end of the movie, everything floods back into her memory in one moment. And you're like, come on. Well, in the fourth one, we're introduced to Giselle, who's played by Gal Gadot. Yeah. And then she joins the group after yeah. she becomes like one of a number in every movie. There's at least one villain who will either at the end of that movie or in the next movie will become a hero. Yeah. So she is a hero by the end of that movie. She's and, great. Giselle is great. And, and Gal Gina Gadot Carano, as Giselle. Gina Carano is the villain, right? No, Gina Carano. Is that five? Gina Carano comes in in five. Oh, that's right. It's right. five. In four, the villain is Ortiz. That's right. Which I think is, it's a, a Braga is the character's name. Yes, Braga. Luis Ortiz, mm-hmm. I think is the actor's name. Yeah. Oh, he's a great actor. He's great. And Braga is such a cool villain because you spend the whole movie thinking that this one guy who keeps talking about how great Braga is and it's his lackey second in command. By the end of the movie, you find out that that dude is Braga. And he's been hyping himself up this whole time, but he's just charming and fun and over the top. There's some clunker villains in these movies and there's some great villains in these movies. And I think Braga is one of the better villains. So that's part four. Not the best of the franchise, but it does raise the stakes a little. It grounds things a little more. The color palette isn't as crazy bright and colorful as the first three movies. But then we get to my personal favorite. Okay. And that's fast five. Okay. What do you like about Fast Five? I like it too. There really isn't a movie in this group that I don't enjoy. Yeah, they're all fun. They're all super fun. Is this Stockholm Syndrome, Mark? Are we we having Stockholm Syndrome? We might because we've just spent the last few days watching all of these movies and have never seen them. Here's why I love Fast Five. Go ahead. Fast Five is this franchise hitting its stride. It is the best of the racing version where it's got a little bit of gritty to it and the Let's start going really over the top and really make a heist movie. Mm-hmm. But it's still within the realm of believable somewhat. Wait, what? It's in the realm of somewhat believable. Isn't this the one where cars are remote control driven? Like they, th- they put, um, like pucks on them that allow them to be driven remotely, like I, controlled remotely. I do six? think, I don't know if that was this one or if that one was six. I think there's some six. crazy tech in these together. movies. That was at the yeah. beginning. Yeah, that is, it's definitely six. But this movie, it brings, it, like you said, it brings together all these different teams. 
it adds the rock as the person that's chasing down as Hobbs, who is a great character. It also gives us a little bit of heart with the Brazilian cop whose husband was killed in the line of duty. And so she is the only honest cop on the Rio de Janeiro police force. The movie was shot in Rio de Janeiro in the favela, which is a really, really cool exotic location. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, it's, it's a world that I don't know that I hadn't seen. So as a viewer, I was very excited about that. Uh, And And the heist in it adds the element of one last heist. We're all just going to do one last job and then we can all retire. Family. Yeah. Family. You know, that character whose Mm -hmm. name is Elena Neves. Yes. Is played by Elsa Pataki or Pataki. Mm -hmm. Do you know what she's notable for outside of her extensive career? I don't. She is one half of a power couple. With mm-hmm. the God of Thunder himself, Chris Hemsworth. They are married. Oh. That is, they have been married for some time. They met because they were managed, they had the same management company and they have a bunch of kids together. That's she's very a cool. Star. He's a star. She's great. Beautiful. And she's in, I think, two or three of the movies. No, she's in a lot more than that. And she, she's in, she's in five, six, and seven, I thought. And eight. Oh, is she in eight? Uh huh. Wow. In oh, eight. that's right. Yeah. Look, this is going to be full of spoilers, but this, this is right going to be so many spoilers. We'll throughout record this. A sp- you know what? I'll put a spoiler at the front. So yeah. if you heard a spoiler at the front, this was the moment that that idea was conceived. So <laughs> she is shot in the head in Fate of the Furious. And the at only the, one surviving yeah. is the baby whose name becomes Brian. Yeah. Words <laughs> through plexiglass or Dada, even though that kid has just met Dominic Toretto. Yeah. Like, it's not like she's been showing in pictures, right? And would he know he's a baby? How would I don't know? know. But the, look, when that baby first said, Dada, you knew that it was <laughs> Vin Diesel's baby. Dada. So the villain in, who's the villain in five? Oh, the villain in five is the, the, uh, guy that runs Rio. Yes. The guy that runs Rio. And that this is, I mentioned this one before. This is, I think it's, I just think it's a perfect heist movie. It gets the team together. It brings the best characters from all of the other movies and it puts them all in one place. We get Han from Tokyo Drift, Tej, Tej and Roman, Tej and Roman. We get, uh, Giselle from four, yeah. uh, who begins a relationship with Han. All, they're all sort of having their own little moments together and pairing off. And I just think it's, it's this franchise at its most fun best and the action sequence at the end of the movie where they steal the safe because these are all corrupt cops that are, you know, uh, under the thumb of this bad guy. Uh, Reyes. he keeps Reyes. Reyes, uh, keeps all of his money in the police station. So what do they do? They steal the vault from the police station, attach it to cables attached to two cars driven by Vin Diesel and Paul Walker, who then drive a giant safe through the streets of Rio de Janeiro. It's so fun. Yeah. Uh, what it's so bizarre what's bizarre it's just so bizarre it is uh, it's good i think it lacks a a major villain it's kind of more about all these people being together and it's fine like Mm -hmm. reyes is a fine villain but he's sort of like it's not i I like the the villains later on who are a lot more involved yeah which is why i for me my favorite Mm -hmm. is a toss-up between and six is good. Well, let's six talk. Is, let's 
Should we should we save which one is your favorite until we get to it? Yes. Then? If we haven't gotten to it, let's in talk six, about six. We meet the the younger Shaw sibling played by Luke Evans. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's another one. I forget what they're going after. Like it's always the same. It's like a ball or a stick that can blow up the world <laughs> or magnet. Yeah, or there's some sort of. So- oh no, six is the one where they are going after. Oh shoot. Yeah, I don't know. It was a ball. I was going to say exactly. no. It's, Seven is the one. Seven is the one that introduces the newest member of the team, who's the uh, code breaker or the hacker. Yes, what's her name? Yeah, because she's. Uh, they're going after her. Her. I forget the character's name at this point. Yeah, I, I there's don't. so many of them. Yeah, I it's forget. The, it's she's the, part the of the family. So, yeah. uh, I, the reason why I love Seven is because it introduces. Wait, that's us. all we're getting in six. Yeah, six is good. Six is a bridge movie to me. Six yeah. is the bridge where at the end, the younger Shaw is in a coma and we're, we learn that the person who killed Han was Deckard Shaw, played by Jason Statham. And then mm-hmm. he is now looking for revenge against all of the people who put his brother in the hospital. So seven is all of them against Deckard Shaw. And Jason Statham is, there are a lot of action stars out there. He is a perfect fit for this movie because yeah. number one, he's, he's got like a, fu- he's got like a wit about him to his action. And number two, he got his start in movies where his whole thing was he was a guy who drove a car, the transporter yeah. films, which yeah. are a lot of fun. Super fun. So he is a great villain here. And it has my favorite moment of all of the films, which is he puts Hobbs in the hospital early in the movie. So Hobbs is mostly out of it. I assume The Rock only had like a week or two to shoot on this film. But <laughs> I think I know where you're going with We're this. introduced to The Rock's daughter. And then at the end, when they're racing through Los Angeles mm-hmm. and it's Hobbs' turn to join, he's like, honey, I got to go to work to his daughter. And he's in a full arm cast and you see him flex and break the cast. Yeah. He flexes a cast off of his arm. I mean, come on. That's so good. <laughs> it's just so good. Now, at the uh, end- I, also, I want to say before we yeah. get to the end of that movie, uh-huh. and this might be the thing that might put me on team seven, mm-hmm. even though five is my favorite. We'll get to that in a second. Yeah. Another thing I loved, loved, loved was the opening of this movie and the way that they introduce us to Jason Statham's character, uh, Decker. Deckard, Deckard, Declan, Deckard, Deckard, Deckard Shaw. Shaw. The way they introduce us to his character yeah. is he is standing over the bed of his of the hospital bed of his badly burned brother. Yes. And he is saying, I am going to make this right. I'm going to get revenge. I'm going to avenge your maiming. Yes. And then in slow motion, the whole opening credit sequence is just Jason Statham walking out of the hospital. And what we see is absolute destruction and carnage that we did not see happen. We just see the aftermath of it, Mm -hmm. but you get, you learn how tough this dude is by watching Jason Statham slowly walk out of this building that he is absolutely destroyed. Mm -hmm. It's a great way to open the movie. It's fantastic. Yeah. Now you started to talk about the end of this movie. Please continue. Uh, you have Hobbs breaking the cast. I will say in six, which is the film where we lose Giselle and Han, that's when Han finally leaves for Tokyo. Yes. That is the film where, so again, you watch one, two, four, five, six, then three is him going to Tokyo where he mm-hmm. dies, which we learn is at the hands of Deckard Shaw. Um, we also are introduced in this film to Mr. Nobody, who is played by Kurt Russell. 
who is helping him to find basically the Charlie if they were the angels. Yes. Oh no, I'm sorry. He miss uh he's introduced is he introduced later or earlier? Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It absolutely doesn't matter. All of these Kurt movies Russell, start to blend together. Kurt Russell makes everything better. Like Kurt yeah. Russell just makes everything better. Just sorry, gobbling up scenery. You are wrong. I'm yeah. here to tell you you were wrong, asked and answered. I threw that one in the middle there. <laughs> he he always makes a movie better, even if the movie's not good. Would have been worse if he hadn't been in it. Yeah. So um, <laughs> Six does have a bunch of another another theme of this film is like cars pushing or pulling things. And a bunch of cars stopping a plane from taking off is pretty incredible. In the world's longest runway. Yes. There's a plane run. It is a plane flying, like taking off down a runway and yeah. trying to get to takeoff speed for about 15 minutes. It is going full speed down a runway. They calculated uh-huh. that based on the length of that scene, that that runway would have to be 18 miles long. <laughs> And yes, it is a very sad moment when we lose Giselle in that yes. scene. And she does it uh, in sacrifice to save yeah. Han because he is helping her up and there's a bad guy coming behind him who's about to shoot him. So she sacrificed herself. Blah, blah, blah. Let's go. <laughs> we got seven, but then eight by the, by the end of seven, Deckard Shaw is in, is in like the raft, a version of the raft that's there. Yeah. And, and the rock is put in prison at the beginning of eight. So he's mm-hmm. in prison. But then the whole thing of that film is we're introduced to Cypher played, played by Charlize there. The number of Oscar winners in this is kind of ridiculous. It's crazy. Yeah. She's introduced and she recruits Dominic Toretto because she revealed, we learn later on that she has, uh, Elena Neves and his son that he didn't know he had. She mm-hmm. has them on her flying plane that nobody can track. That is her, that is her home base. Yeah. But so a lot of the film is, the family trying to stop Dominic, the one person they can't stop. And yeah. he's doing everything she tells him because he otherwise he will lose his child, which yeah. is now nothing is nothing more important than family. And exactly. this is like family, the family, family, the family. But we also get a preview of what we're going to get in Hobbs versus Shaw, which is this fun back and forth between Jason Statham and, and Dwayne Johnson who have great chemistry. But mm-hmm. what I love about eight and I wish it was in seven because that would make seven even better mm-hmm. is the sequence of Jason Statham on the plane rescuing the baby while he's in a gunfight. And the it's baby so has, good. has uh, Christmas time. Uh, Christmas time is here or Christmas. Don't be late by uh, Alvin and the chipmunks mm-hmm. on these noise canceling headphones while Jason Statham is like talking to like doing baby talk and then alternatively gruesomely killing people. It's so good. It's a, it's a great scene. It's a great scene. Uh, I'm going to say. And I mentioned this to you earlier. I think Charlize Theron is, I think this is not her best work. I think that's fair. It is. She like, it's, it's like she came into the room and was like, all right, you want to pay me how much to just stand here and sort of quietly say things? Cause I'm always in charge and I never get phased and I don't have to act. Okay. I'll do that. Yeah. And she's a great action star too. Like now, she's yeah, doing she's really give her good. some action. She's in a All she does is stand star. there, and uh, as Vin Diesel does her bidding and go, "That's right, Vin Diesel, you just did my bidding." Yeah, I'd like my paycheck, please. I like to look my target in the eye of family. Um, are you still? Are you still? Talking? Oh, I see. I didn't know when that sentence ended, Ben. I'm almost still- done. Even in even in F nine. 
Yeah. When she's attacking them from the plane and you think she's been blown up, she's just flying a drone. Yeah, she's she's a drone. And that makes sense for the character the more I look at it. Like that character yeah. is a hacker. She's not so going to put herself at risk. She's a cyber terrorist. So she yeah. stays away. She's smart enough not to put herself at risk if she doesn't have to. Yeah. That said, eight is crazy ridiculous. And it, there's and, a and submarine. It, They're b- battling on the ice against a submarine that breaks the surface at one point. Yes. But the, the, and, and then F9 is just insane. Cars in space, cars in a minefield. Yeah. It doesn't matter what the, like, at this point, who cares? Like, we were texting each other the entire time. And I, while I was watching F9, I wrote at some point, I was like, I've already forgotten what the MacGuffin is for this. It was was that soccer ball. Yeah. It was a soccer soccer ball ball that lets you control all of the world's weapons, which the young girl that took in was the key to making it go. But also they have crazy magnets in that. In that film, here's the fun part is Justin Lin, who comes back to direct that, actually worked with NASA engineers to make sure the mm-hmm. space stuff was as accurate as it could be. Get out given, of here. Given, like, as crazy it was. They had NAS. They had NAS in a spaceship. But they were using it like... Yeah, they were using the NAS the same way. Yeah, that's how you reposition the ship. They actually... Yeah, no, I know. They tried to keep that as faithful as possible, which to me is hilarious and kind of like a... Like they know what movies they're making, but they also take it so seriously. Yeah. They it's take kind the, of the joke fun of it. it so seriously. It's great. Like the whole, the whole subplot in nine of Roman say, like, I think it could be invincible. Look, if they just shot at me 16 times, I don't have a scratch on me. I just got a jacket full of holes. Yeah. So there is a, there is a recognition of it, but really what makes seven the best film for me is it maybe pays off the other films the most because we get our goodbye. So Paul Walker passes away. Yeah. Killed in a car accident. After the filming of six and halfway through the filming of seven. Yeah. So he dies in a car accident tragically. They complete what they, they can by through rotoscoping, through using some fast five footage that they hadn't mm-hmm. used and using his brothers and his stunt doubles as stand-ins and, and, his and using the stuff that they had actually shot for the movie. There was a yes, lot of stuff. It's a mix, used. but he was only halfway done his shooting. So there's a yeah. lot of stuff. He hadn't done any of his stuff with Jordana Brewster because she was doing the, the Dallas reboot at the time. So her schedule mm-hmm. didn't work out by the time she was free to do it. He had passed away. So even with all that, that is the film where they give him, they have to figure out how to send him off. So the idea is those characters retire and as they're there, you know, Dom is, is driving away. And then up comes Brian and they drive together as this poignant moment. I yeah. cried and didn't think I would. I, and I knew you had said it leveled you. Yeah, it really did, man. Like it was the end of that movie is really, really tough to watch mm-hmm. because you know, like these guys have been together for seven movies. Mm-hmm. We're both actors. We've been in casts before. Yeah. On screen stuff, on stage stuff. I mean, we did thrilling for 10 years. We did thrilling for 10 years. And still that's a, I mean, that's our family. That's our, that's our family. Fast and Furious family. Yeah. And at the end of that movie, when the whole team decides on the beach while watching Brian O'Connor and his, uh, and his me children. and Mia play with his son. Yeah. Um, when the characters decide there, that's where they are saying goodbye. Mm-hmm. 
to this character because they're going to leave and let him stay home. They didn't kill the character off. They let him retire and have his family and have his happy ending. Yeah. But what it felt like to me watching it was Vin Diesel and Michelle Rodriguez and Ludacris and all these guys Jordana Brewster, yeah. and Jordana Brewster saying goodbye to Paul Walker. And to think about after seven movies and years spent together, for them to find a way to do a proper send off to someone who was killed tragically in the middle of making this project. I just felt for everyone involved, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, no, and I it really, you. it got me. It's getting me right now. No, just I, thinking about I it, can know? see that and I can hear that and I get it. Like I, I, again, like you breaking it down like that, definitely that rings true to me. And again, I think about Smelly Adventure Hour and think of those people and yeah. think that they're a group that, that I know if any of them needed something, I wouldn't hesitate to do it at the drop of a hat and neither would you. And of course. the thought of not only having to say goodbye to someone you're that close with in real life, but then to do it again in character and have that send off. That's a really, it's really, really poignant. And it, and it, yeah, it, it's a it, tough, it's a tough scene you. to watch, but, and they did it as elegantly as I could imagine any movie saying goodbye to a star that was killed during the shooting. Yeah. I mean, it's the same, like this is the same, the fact that that's the same movie where the rock flexes a cast off of his arm. (laughs) Yeah. That you've got the ultimate in hilarious lunacy and a really brutally cathartic moment. Yeah. So I think because it sort of satisfies all of that and it still has the super team Mm -hmm. aspect to it, that that to me, and also the villain is much more personal to everyone because yeah. his motivation is personal. Yeah. And it still leaves the door open for him to come back and be a hero later on, which he does, obviously. I think that is a, an impressive feat seven films in to yeah. any franchise. That to me is why I would think that is the best movie, but it's really weird to say what is the best fast and the furious movie. Cause it's such a specific genre. And there are people yeah. who are listening to this, who I'm sure have no dog in this fight, but I implore you to, with the sound down and closed captions on, enjoy <laughs> these movies. Cause they are, there is something, there is like a weird joy to it. Yeah. Yeah, it's like they're they're all so much fun. And and I think you're right. I think were it not for that final send off mm-hmm. and ending the movie with literally the only thing you see on the screen is the words for Paul. Yeah, I think that pushes seven over the top. I think five is Fast and the Furious at its most the Fast and the Furious and its most yeah. fun. Yeah. But I think that what seven did the way that it handled the situation that it was in and the way that it paid tribute to the star that had carried the franchise for so long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that puts it over the top. Well, there you go. People of the world. There's nothing more poor than family. And I'll look you in the eye about it. And you say, Grace, and you know the best Fast and the Furious movie about the family is the one where we say goodbye to my brother Ryan, who was in the family and who said grace one time. 
And so, when you look at the movie of Fast and Furious, the best one is Fast and Furious ever. Probably. I feel like I feel like my record player is breaking. Sorry, I didn't no, mean to slow cut down up here. a little bit. No, I yeah. think that's what happened. No, I was. you don't want to say your Aston answered again. <laughs> I, oh, he did say it. You didn't hear him. No, I didn't hear him. Say it again. Oh, you know it. It's a it's a really uh, that's that. It's what it sounds like because it's such a low register. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those tones that once you hit a certain age, you can't hear it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, this topic is closed. Asked and answered, but there are many more topics to discuss. So please reach out to us on Twitter at we got this tweets or you can email us at we got this podcast at gmail.com or go to our Facebook group. Share your favorite fast and furious moments there via gifts or otherwise. That is over at facebook.com slash group slash we got this podcast. Thank you to producer Ken Plume, host of the fine podcast of Bit of a Chat with Ken Plume and the video series Force 5, where he has guests on to talk about their favorite Star Wars figures. And I finally got mine from my dad, so maybe I'll be on soon. Ooh. Also, thank you to researcher Kate McManus, graphic designer Uri Kelman, and QA engineer Jen Alba. And thanks, of course, to our musicians, Jonathan Dinerstein and Mike Furman for our score and theme song, respectively. And thanks to you, the people of the world, who to Hal and I have always been and always will be family. For Hal Lublin, I'm Mark Gagliardi. For Mark Gagliardi, I'm Hal Lublin. And don't worry, everybody. We got this. We got this. Ridiculous. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.